0: Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue show dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. We are here today to look ahead to Chelsea's match against Spurs taking place at Stamford Bridge this Sunday and to preview the match I am joined by Harry Edwards. Harry, how are you doing?
1: I'm really good thanks, Um, looking forward to getting back to club action, you know the international break. It's only two weeks but it seems so much longer.
0: Yeah, I think mercifully this one's kind of like felt like 10 days-ish. Like, I don't know why it's felt a bit quicker. I think because the game, like, England's on Friday and Tuesday. But yeah, no, I totally agree. Looking forward to having the the WSL roll back around. And it should be a good weekend, obviously, because we're on the cusp of that pre-World Cup hype. Obviously, England's first game is on Monday, so I'm hoping we might get some more WSR attention, maybe. Maybe that <laughs> yes. remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat about the, the game against Spurs that's coming up. Um got a couple of things to talk about. We're gonna talk about Sanford Bridge selling out and and kind of Chelsea women's history with the ground and, and what that might mean going forward. We'll have a look at Spurs, obviously, and you know, our history with them and how they've looked this season. Then we're gonna chat a bit about how Chelsea perform after international breaks, because Sometimes they can be a bit of interesting matches to watch. Um, but let's start with with talking about Stamford Bridge. The game is sold out, Harry. Some context around this, the tickets from the West Ham game, right, were moved over to this one, plus they then kind of sold on top of that, obviously. Do you think there's a risk there that it's not necessarily going to feel full?
1: Yeah, when I when I saw... You know, first of all, like it being sold out is brilliant. But when I saw, I think it was they uploaded a, a video on the website and on their YouTube shorts, just like telling the players that, oh, we're sold out. It's like, oh, brilliant. But then my mind just went, and I'm sure I'll go back, go on to it in a bit, to the 2019 game against Tottenham, which I'm not sure whether it was sold out, but like a lot of tickets were, were claimed. And then look at how many look at how many didn't turn up i guess like the the attendance wasn't what we wanted it to be and so i think my yeah there's a bit of a cynical side of me that was thinking you know, hopefully hopefully that sold out crowd is actually you know going to come and i think the euros would have helped you know we've seen some good attendances at kings meadow already this season for Aston Villa, like having that much, many people at a game against Aston Villa. I think it was our third or fourth highest ever attendance at King's Meadow for Aston Villa. Like, <laughs> I, I don't mean that as disrespect to Aston Villa, but like, it's not one of the, you know, the big teams. Where And this is Tottenham. Like, I know they're not at our level. Like, the, the level's not as close as it is in the men's game, but it's still Chelsea Tottenham. Um, and I guess I hope that you know, with fans having had to pay for the ticket this time, there will be less people thinking, "Oh, you know what? It was free." Something else has come up. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what my point is. But, um, <laughs> but I think it's it's good.
0: Yeah, I think the the context around the game before there's a couple of things to take into account. Is one, yes, Chelsea gave out tickets for free for the, the previous Tottenham game. And I think that is something that as women's football as a sport has had to terms come to terms with that if you don't put value on it, people won't view it as valuable. So if you don't say this is worth 10, 15 quid to you, then people aren't going to turn up because also there's no issue. You can take the tickets and then if you don't if you can't be asked to go on the day, You've not lost out on anything. And I think as a result, the atmosphere at that original Spurs game was just quite flat. But also the game was pretty boring. So that didn't help either, right? Um, And I think also the amount that women's football has moved on since the start of 2019, like you just said, like the Euros, is massive. So I'm hoping that we do get a good turnout I think it's a good time like one o'clock on a Sunday it feels like um a good opportunity there but obviously we've also so I think in the past Chelsea it's kind of weird we've had this massive gap between that original well it wasn't the original Stamford Bridge game Chelsea women had played at Stamford Bridge prior to that but you know this kind of yeah. first WSL game there and Obviously COVID and stuff happens and the West Ham game gets cancelled and so we're now finally back playing the same thing. But do you think Chelsea have kind of recognised that they've start they're having to start embracing Stamford Bridge, maybe more than they have in the past? And and why do you think that is?
1: I think it's partly because they're seeing other teams do it. Um so they don't you know, you don't want to be seen as the only team not embracing your men's stadium you've got Leicester using their men's stadium pretty much full-time for full-time at Reading doing the same Um, Birmingham last season I'm not sure whether they still do um, this season so you're you know Arsenal play at the Emirates whenever they can so you don't be left behind but also I think it's recognizing that the fan base has has grown so you know, you are more likely to get, you know, closer to thirty to forty thousand for. It's not a one-off game because we've got another game coming up, but for these special occasions, we are more likely to to sell out. And I think it's, you know, again and going back to Euros, we showed that it can sell out in this country and that the atmosphere. And I'm not just saying this; I was at Euros that was. I think the best atmosphere I've ever experienced at a football match. I've like I've been to men's Champions League finals, I've been to FA Cup finals, I've been to like men's England games. And I don't I can't think of anything that has topped that. Um so you want that to be surrounding the club. And I think having that for the players as well would just be such a big, a big boost of look, you know look what we have supporting us because maybe sometimes they can feel a bit pushed to the side Um just when you look at you know there's not much work being done on king's meadow it's you know small ground it's not near what you'd consider the heart of chelsea so to bring them into the stanford bridge when they can and when they should i don't think it i just said i don't think it should be a too regular a thing because I think you lose the atmosphere that you get at King's Meadow when, you know, you're splitting up the wider group. But I think it's it's a good time to show where we are in the world in terms of support in uh, stadiums.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it is interesting seeing this shift because I feel like the difference between a, a Chelsea and an Arsenal, say, is Arsenal don't own Meadow Park. So there's a sense that for them, they're almost never at home. And that's why I think the Emirates has become important to them because that's, you know, Meadow Park shared with Boreham Wood. Emirates is where they go and that's like Arsenal. Whereas obviously Kings Meadow is Chelsea. So I think that's why, you know, it's created that better atmosphere. It is one of the better selling grounds, if not the best, um, in the WSL. But obviously it is still tiny. It's not like a Lee sports village it's not like an academy stadium that can hold you know more towards 10 it, it's like 4 to 5k depending on how much they've opened up and it'll be interesting to see if you know there is work done to it try and expand it because i love it as a as a space but there's a couple of things one champions league knockout games will have to be played at stanford bridge can't play at kings meadow i think in fact kings meadow they shouldn't even really be playing group games there um, and Two, there's going to be, there is this increase in fan base. And at some point you want to make the jump, right, from your 4 to 5K to your 30 to 40K. Um Do you think that playing games at Stamford Bridge helps bring in a different set of fans? Because I think that was the other thing that was maybe interesting slash disappointing about that original Spurs game is, Because tickets were given away for free, it was, like, back to that whole kids' families thing, blah, blah, blah. But for me, the advantage of playing a game at Stamford Bridge is to bring in the more traditional Chelsea men's match-going fan. Do you think we're going to start... Do you think we'll see that more going on? Obviously, like, as well, I should say, Chelsea are going to play PSG at Stamford Bridge on the 22nd of December in the Champions League, which is going to be banging, I think. I'm really excited for that, but... Do you think these like more regular fixtures will see more of the kind of, yeah, traditional season ticket, Stamford Bridge season ticket holders going?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and I'd like more of a, a casual women's football fan, not just the casual fan that goes for the day out, but someone who perhaps is new to um, the women's side, having followed the men's for ages, you know, getting Meadow, they know how to get to Stamford Bridge. They know their route. They maybe have a routine. That, like they do on the match day, whereas King's Meadow it's you know it's not as easy to get to I know for me like it's it's not hard but it's long hmm.
0: um, especially if there's no trains or yeah, exactly. the yeah, exactly. traffic shit
1: yeah <laughs> um, I remember the first time I went to King's Meadow it ended up getting the bus from Wimbledon station and I'll never be doing that again
0: yeah that's a slow <laughs> one I've done that a couple of times that's slow <laughs>
1: At stanford Bridge, like you get into Victoria, get a tube from there. Like it's really, really easy. And like bringing back Arsenal, I've got a friend who's an Arsenal fan, and I think her sister plays football. And she's got into the women's team a lot more. And I think whenever they play at the Emirates, they try to go to that because, you know, they know it from, from the men's game. And it's I think it is about the access and. Also, people might, yeah, I think people will still use it as an opportunity to take kids to Stamford Bridge that affordable, like, that can't take them to the men's game because the it's men's It's hard prices to get are, tickets to Stamford Bridge,
0: yeah. just e- even regardless of prices, right? They're not easy tickets to get hold of.
1: Yes, yeah, like, even, you know, even if you're a member, you still lose, like, once you get into the touts and all that, and that's just... Um, so yeah, I'd I'd like to think that this is a chance for again, like you said earlier, with no no men's football or no men's club football. You know, England aren't playing until Monday. This is a a free Sunday. If they want to watch the the opening World Cup game, men's World Cup game, they can still do that. You know, the game. They can not go gonna, to
0: Frankie Bar and Grill. Chelsea were emailing me.
1: <laughs> they can, you know, that this isn't going to cut into that time. I think this is. I'd like to hope that there are, you know, men's fans that will look at this as a time to oh, you know what? Let's go see. I hear so much good about this team. You know, the men's team aren't really giving me the happiness that I'm used to. Let's let's see what what this brings. Obviously, there will still be the the men's fans that we like to ignore that are, you know, women's football blah blah blah, you know. I think it's a good opportunity to widen the the fan base.
0: Yeah, hopefully it'll be a really, really good atmosphere. Looking forward to it. I think it'll be, be great to see. Um, we're going to take a quick ad break. Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show.
2: If you're bored of the US Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000 plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You could pretend the entire situation never happened check out my link again that's nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today
0: all right guys we've got 74 five-star reviews already on blue royalty thank you so much for your support um if we can get to 100 that would be absolutely amazing obviously we've only been on our own kind of feed for for a couple of weeks now um but we're really loving having the separate space to be able to do episodes like this to be able to do the preview content Um, as always if there's anything you're looking for anything you want to listen to give us a shout we can we can make that happen for you um there will be chelsea content throughout the world cup obviously you can find us here on blue royalty the guys will also be covering stuff on the main feed too around the world cup and chelsea interest there and equally we'll be doing our thing on tiktok and youtube as well so you can find us there too but let's look at spurs themselves um we got a pretty glowing head to head record with Spurs. We have won every time we've played them. But there's been some interesting results there. Harry, are there any Spurs games that in particular stand out in your in your memory?
1: Yeah, the um I know there were two towards the end of last season. The one, the away one, I'm pretty sure it was where Berger got sent off. Um we went a goal down and then so I think that was I think I might have been on on the review pod for that. Um, it was that kind of win that was, this is why we're going to win the league. Mm. That kind of performance that is, is very cliche. You know, the performance of champions, it's not, you know, the, the big wins that matter. It's those tight games, those games where you're maybe not playing at your best that prove your credentials and... I think that highlighted what Emma Hayes had in her team, you know, that that fight, you at that time we knew that unless you're playing against Brighton, a goal was gonna come. You know, we were gonna be able to break <laughs> break them down. And I think in the end the scoreline was a bit more comfortable than than the match was. But and then they also tested our defense. I think that was a um, got the goals up. Now it was, yeah, they scored from a corner, and then in the in the second game they scored from a, a ball from a free kick. Like so they in those two games they really showed, you know, that we can be got at from set pieces, which we've seen a bit more this season.
0: I think that was the funny thing as well. I think that season we hadn't actually conceded from a set piece, even though everyone was like mm, we're not always great defending set pieces, and then Spurs really exploited it. But yeah, I think that. That 3-1 especially, firstly I was like, this is where we lose the league. But the, the comeback there to score kind of two goals when we were down to 10 players, it was one of the most impressive performances of the season for me. And I think it will have to have been... A big psychological blow for for Tottenham to not be able to hold on. I think we were drawing when AKB was sent off. Um, to not be able to hold on to that that draw, and you know that Spurs have had issues with that before. I think back to the um, Viviana Medemar equaliser uh, against Arsenal last season, right in like the last minute. Um, that I think. You know, that's something that for me really feels like when people talk about Spurs around the Champions League, which just makes me laugh because they're so far off it. But like that is all that's exactly the kind of example of like not being able to to hold on to games. Um, They've had a very strange start to the season, I will say, in my opinion, Uh, they beat Leicester 2-1 which was a really weird game where it was just two ridiculous goals from Ashley Neville and I think Drew Spence got the other one. Then they were absolutely smashed by Arsenal 4-0. They looked awful. They squeezed past Liverpool 1-0, got smashed by City 3-0, and then they smashed Brighton 8-0 in one of the weirdest matches or results I've seen uh, for a long time. Harry, what have you made of Spurs so far this season?
1: Yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's it's been hard to truly analyse their season so far because yes their defeats came against Man City and Arsenal but the way they played in those games were, were terrible they like with without being like too harsh you know oh you could be goals, harsh <laughs> <laughs> like their goals against Leicester were you know pretty fluky Oh, not fluky, but they didn't come from...
0: You don't want to rely on goals like that.
1: Yes. Yeah, they didn't come from, like, a lot, like, good play. They came from two brilliant, like, long-range efforts, um, especially in Neville's Liverpool. An own goal scored from across. And even Brighton. I was looking through the goals um, yesterday. And, again, with no, (laughs) you know, without being too too disrespectful like a lot of the goals came from brighton mistakes like yeah you, you praise tottenham for forcing some of those mistakes but you know the the first goal was what i'm calling it it was definitely a cross from a corner that just flo- floated in you know right a couple of them from brighton trying to play out from the back that just, even the 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 tiniest of press Presses, like, got it. A um, couple of long-range shots, balls over the top. You know, Brighton try, failing to, like, win a midfield battle. It was... I don't think you can fully discredit Tottenham in an 8-0 win, but for pretty much all of them, I can I could point out a, a Brighton mistake that led to that. Um, so I think that that's kind of... Not so much a red herring, but that shouldn't be a... a Tottenham a brilliant performance that should be looked at more of a well, what was going on at Brighton?
0: Yeah, definitely, and it, you know, kind of to back that up, their expected goals of four point five is the, is the fourth lowest in the league. So even though they've kind of stat padded against Brighton, they're they're not actually creating a whole lot. But I think that kind of actually sums up where Spurs have reached in their development for me. You know, they got good players you know Ashley Neville's obviously been a revelation since she's been moved further forward but I think a lot of the attacking burden is on her they've made some great summer signings like I think True Spence was a really intelligent um player to pick up and Ankara James, Amy Turner also like very experienced players and then they got this kind of exciting attacking duo Nicola Karzuska, Selim Bizet both players I rate really highly but it just doesn't feel like Rohan Skinner's yet been able to put those pieces together in any coherent way and so then you end up with Sp- like players of that talent in my opinion are always going to have those moments where especially against lesser teams they're going to be afforded the space that they're going to be able to finish in that way but it just feels like I still aren't, I'm still not convinced that Skinner knows how to attack and I think what concerns me about Spurs particularly in the city and Arsenal games is I felt like at least last season they could frustrate teams. Like we saw it, you know, for us, I think, and Arsenal found it as well. You know, City lost to Spurs thanks to Rosella Ryan. (laughs) Um, But but again, like Spurs were able to be in those positions because they hadn't conceded a lot of goals. But to me this season, it seems like they're a lot more open than they were before. Do you think Skinner's kind of tried to sacrifice some of that defensive solidity in order to allow them to attack more?
1: Yeah, I think you, you said it earlier about Tottenham not being a Champions League team and they're not. Obviously, that's where they want to be, but it's a lot harder in the WSL because it's only the top three teams. It's not the top four that, that we see in the men's game. And that's why it kind of I wouldn't say annoys, but it surprises me when people talk about the top four in the WSL because the top four doesn't exist in the WSL. There might be the big four you know, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal, there's no top four, it's the top three. But the gulf between that third place, even look at where Man United were last season, how eventually Man City's quality came through. Um, Man United couldn't do it across the whole campaign, and I think that's the same with Tottenham, but Skinner's trying to get them into, you know, a name like Tottenham, you you link them with with the champions league like they've only been a wcl team for a few years but the the overall name of tottenham same with manchester united the overall name of manchester united you link with champions league and so i think you're right that she is um looking to change the way she plays sets tottenham up to try and bridge that gap um as looking at, at the lineups um on on FB ref for for Tottenham and like some of them, I've you know, maybe not how they play in the game, but they were having Drew Spence as the as one of the attack, like one of the strikers or the centre forward. And like I said, I don't, can't really tell how that went in the game without fully watching it all the way through. But if she's playing Drew Spence as as that attacking player, it's it shows that she's still maybe trying to work out. A system that that helps Tottenham bridge that gap, but it won't be an immediate bridge. It'll be this has to be a project. You know, look again, look at look at us when Emma Hayes first took over. You know, it wasn't an immediate success. It took a couple of years for for us to start winning things, and it took nine years for us to be Champions League, um, eight nine years to be Champions League finalists. It's it's a long thing, and probably even longer in the women's game than it is the men, because in WSL you get 22 games a season. Like you need a lot more than that to get the fluidity that that Skinner will want. And going to have to try and say something positive about them. like she's she's doing. You know she's got them on the up. They are definitely closer to a championship Champions League side than they are a championship side. You know they they don't look like they're going to be in danger of you know, slipping back down for a, for a while. She's got them on the up. It's just, I guess, now trying to find that balance between being a good attacking team but still having the defensive solidity of a top three side.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what's hard for Spurs as well is, one, I feel like I always compare them to United because they came up at the same time. And I, I think that's a reasonable comparison in terms of the size of the, the club and and the money that there is available there for those teams. But yeah, the problem that Spurs have obviously is, you know, there are lots of other clubs who are Premier League teams who are also putting money. in. you know, I think when you look at what Aston Villa will have spent to get Rachel Daly in, for example, how West Ham have been able to attract, you know, a French international like Vivian Asai. these are teams who are putting money down on players who could play for, you know, top European clubs. Um, and I still think Spurs, as much as they've signed kind of exciting young players and experienced older players, they're still maybe missing that kind of star name that we've seen Villa really benefit from. And I think, you know, someone like Bizet, someone like Karzuska could, could be that player, but like they're 21, 22, like they're adjusting to a new league. It's going to take time. It's very different from having, you know, Rachel Daly, who's like domin- dominated the NWSL, and played WSL football even quite recently, because obviously when she was at West Ham too. Um, but something that might benefit Spurs, I guess, is that we are coming off an international break. Chelsea don't like international breaks. I don't know if this is just me being like very myopic and only thinking about Chelsea. Maybe this is something that all clubs struggle with. Let's like, we can talk about that. But um, I've been doing some research on Chelsea post international breaks. So over the past two seasons, these are the results we've had 3 um, 1 away win at Everton this season, good win bit of a weird first half um the 2-1 loss to Liverpool that was also the first game of the season another historic problem for us then last season we've got the that red card game against Tottenham the 3-1 win a nil-nil draw at Brighton okay it is Brighton nil-nil draw with Juventus 1-0 win against Villa the 6-1 win at United that's the standout good one uh and the 3-2 loss at Arsenal also first game of the season. And then the year before that, there was like no international breaks because it was weird because post-Covid. But there was a 2-2 draw at Manchester City. I think you can asterisk that one. But also the 2-0 win against Atletico Madrid where Sophie Ingle was sent off and we conceded two penalties. So there's some standout moments there, but there's also some moments that don't make great reading. Harry, is this just something that I've got in my head <laughs> and I'm convinced is a thing? Is this a problem? Is it like a natural? Is it just something every all teams have to deal with?
1: I think maybe it's something that all teams have to deal with, but it's something maybe that we deal with more because we have more international players, um, and we're not like Arsenal, whose players get a, a lot of lot in- of injuries with air quotes <laughs> over the international break. Just saying. Um, Very true. But yeah, I think it's the it comes with the package of being a big club um, with so many you know star players. But at the same time, you know, trying to think, comparing it to the men's game, again, because the number of internationals, like the Chelsea men's, we don't seem to have maybe as much of a problem. Um, but then again, maybe it comes down to squad depth mm, in Vegas the women. And, and Emma Hayes has her, you know, she has her, you know, seven, eight players that that pretty much are guaranteed starts that that she likes to use. Um, I think we've seen it this season, though. With, um, I'm not like pointing, like singling her out in a bad way, but Millie Bright, I think, is. Um, we've seen her. Don't want to say decline, Not not been at her standard, just because of how much football she's played, including internationals, and I think that was definitely one of the reasons. You know, like you said, we don't play well on the opening opening weekend. But Millie Bright being absolutely knackered, having missed seven minutes of football overall for Chelsea last season, to go straight into the Euros and play—pretty sure every minute. I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember whether she came off in. I think she might have come off in one or two games. Maybe
0: Jess Carter came on for her against Northern Ireland. But yeah, pretty much every every minute that mattered. Let's say. Yeah,
1: so like at at a high level and then to go to extra time in the final and that you know very little break between the final and then jumping back into pre-season and and then the start of the season I think with so many players that are important for us and their national teams I think we are dead like almost guaranteed to to have a slow start it's I guess just about how M Hayes, or if, I don't know whether she's back this weekend, or if if um, Denise Reddy Reddy's still taking like taking charge of the match. How they manage the second half, and I think that that, that makes the the starting eleven this weekend, which I know we're going to get into in a bit. That makes that so a lot more important, um, because again, as a big club, we are going to be feeling it more than Tottenham are, and. But maybe it's not a, a full problem because I think the goalless draw against Juventus there were there was just something not that month. Apart from beating Arsenal, there was just something mm. wrong there. There was something not right there at the club, like not in a bad way. There's just something like
0: it's a voodoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was just some something. Something was working against us. Um, but now you've. <laughs> With that, that list of results, now you give me something to maybe worry a little <laughs> bit yes, about this. Yes, go-
0: this is what I want to use my podcast platform for to give everyone else anxiety. <laughs> you all have to feel as anxious as I do. Um, no, but I think it's a tough one because I do think Chelsea often start slow after the international breaks, but I suspect other teams do as well. I mean, I'm sure if you look at the 6-1 against United, you could say, well, maybe United weren't ready. But I do think it's, I think there are a couple of things. I think, one, obviously, yes, a lot of players, our players go away. By my count, the senior players who weren't on international duty this week were Beth England and Jess Carter, so we're just benefiting from players not being selected for England. And then Frank Kirby and Jelena Kankovic were, come, were around because they were coming back from injury. It's not a whole host of, of people to work with, but other teams will have the same issue. Although, as you say, Arsenal have had some mysterious Injuries to maybe help them out, but whatever, whatever clubs wanna do. Um, and I also just wonder if you know, we know Emma Hayes is a very meticulous manager and that she changes stuff a lot. Like, Chelsea aren't a team who are just gonna play one formation, one set eleven. You know, like you look at Arsenal and you're like, yeah, Arsenal are gonna play like a 4231 slash four three three kind of hybrid thing they're going to play quite similar players every week but like their game plan is the same whereas chelsea you're like is it a back 3 is it a back 4 you know how is the midfield like structured and so i think then maybe the issue is is when you've got these very game specific plans that if you've got the time to prep for them you look amazing and maybe that speaks to that December as well like that first game in December the Arsenal FA Cup final it's like one of the best performances of the season but then the games start coming really thick and fast and Chelsea don't have the time to prepare and maybe the way they they'd want I think you see it as well in Chelsea's first leg versus second leg performances in Champions League matches always way better in the second leg than they are in the first so I think it's an interesting problem. Generally, Chelsea have the quality to kind of get away with it. So I don't know if it has to matter. But I think it's also something, you know, obviously managers have to figure out what is the balance between having these specific game plans that is going to help you win games and what is realistic for your team to take on in a shorter amount of time. Um, So yeah, I guess we'll see against Spurs what the master plan was and if there has been enough time. But we're going to take another quick ad break. When we come back, we will talk through some potential team lineups and predictions for the game. So, Chelsea's last game before the international break was that win against Manchester United. Uh, AKB in goal, Eriksen Bright-Buchanan uh, as a back kind of three slash four with Neem, Ch- Neem Charles. Then you had Sophie Ingle and Aaron Cuthbert in midfield. Guru Wrighton on the left, Lauren James on the right, Peniela Harder at ten and Sam Kerr up front. Harry, I think we can be fairly certain at least one of those players won't be playing in the form of Peniela Harder.
1: Yeah, uh, just thinking <laughs> through that lineup. Um I do think the other 10 will start, though. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I was just trying to, th- who you know, who would come in. I guess, like, like you said, it depends on what system are we playing? Are we, like, Are we going to stick with the forward back three, free-at-the-back, where Magda's playing left-centre-back, left-back? Um, are we going to press them? In which case, Jesse Fleming? Like that that is the answer to the like to the pressing question like you have to start her and i think we should because a couple of times goals have come from um the goals conceded have come from being pressed um obviously we, we we hope that hardy's injury isn't isn't too serious um we miss her sometimes when she's not on the pitch i think her importance has has shown a lot since the start of last season. Um how much how much we aren't just a a Kerr and Kirby team, or which was the what everyone thought from it's been so many seasons, the 2021 season. (laughs) Um yeah, it's but I think maybe something that I was just thinking of the that could also change the team is the fact that Stamford Bridge is a much bigger pitch than Kings Meadow, and it's also something that maybe might you know heighten the impact of the international break, you know, because the, the game playing Tottenham at Kings Meadow is a lot different to the game plan of to playing Tottenham at Stamford Bridge, you know how how wide are you going to want the team? Are you going to want a a packed midfield? Are you going to want extra wingers because Tottenham are weak down there right so you stick Gura right and you know if she has the space she's going to have a lot of fun on Sunday um and she has been I don't even think it's you know a hot take to say she's been our best player this season by quite some distance um Lauren James has been good but I think Guru Wrighton has been the player that we look to when we we need to be like dragged out of trouble. And I think it'll all be about her this week. So maybe they stick with the back four so that she can be higher up the pitch, that was more of a winger than a wing back.
0: Yeah definitely I think that that's a really good point about Stamford Bridge it's a bit of a double edged sword on the one hand I think having the space will really benefit Chelsea you know when we think back to that Spurs game against Arsenal that was at the Emirates the North London derby and Yeah, Arsenal just absolutely rinsed the space that Spurs left. Honestly, like Beth Mead was just like drifting all across the pitch, just wherever the space was, like on either touchline. And I think Harder's absence makes that quite interesting because maybe this is a game where Kanarad comes in and so you have that real like kind of natural wingles on both sides and then maybe Lauren James moves into the the 10 role that, that Harder's vacated. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see whether Frank Kirby would be ready to start. Because if so, you've got a fairly natural swap there in terms of how both play- players have played this season harder on Kirby. But I don't know if Chelsea will want to risk her equally. Kankovic is back, but presumably just on the bench, given how little minutes she played even before she got injured. But again, would be a straight swap. Um, yeah, I think the only... The, well, the other position that's maybe interesting is that right-back one. You know, we had a question around... Eve Perisset in our mailbag episode that we did uh, earlier in the week. Um, but I think Neve Charles has had maybe the most impressive international break of all of Chelsea's players. So do we think she'll hold on to that kind of fullback role?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the the thing to wonder there as well is all, like, what to take in, in, into consideration is that whoever plays that side at right back will be going up against Ashley Neville, most likely. So it's who do... Who do you back to? You know, to be able to keep her quiet, and I don't think I'm I'm harsh in saying that she has she's never had the best of games against Chelsea Ashley Neville, but those are the more in defensive roles. Is this, this is obviously a new Ashley Neville? This is an attacking Ashley Neville. So I think, like you said, Neve Charles has been helped by having a good international break, and again, England aren't going, going to get pressed. As much as you know, as Ashley Neville might run underneath Charles, but I think, as much as I like um say, I think you, you can't you can't not start Charles, um, just because of how how she's been playing. She's got the momentum, um, she's probably got the confidence now that would have taken a hit from the end of the 2021 season and then not playing as much last season, um. I think you need to make the most of that. And then maybe, like when the game's late on, later in the game, take her out, bring Perisay on, depending on what you need. You know, do you need someone to help protect, hopefully, a comfortable lead a little bit, or do you need someone to help it exploit the spaces down the flanks? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say Charles over Perisay, but Perisay probably to come on in the second half at some point.
0: Yeah, I think Charles's development this season has been really impressive and something I'm fascinated by around Emma Hayes and the whole Chelsea setup is how they managed to develop players with seemingly giving them little to no game time. You know, we saw it with Jess Carter last season, hadn't really played much before, seemed like a totally different player. Lauren James barely played last season. OK, Lauren James was always quality, but I I think, you know, anyone who watched her against United would say, this is still a different player we're watching at Chelsea. Um, and equally, new Charles barely played last season, but has come back just a level above. Like I think that speaks to just the quality of Chelsea's training environment generally. That it, you know, normally we say about players, you know, you have to be playing regular nineties. Like how are you going to improve otherwise? And I think it's quite clear that Chelsea, at the very least, doesn't seem to be a barrier to to players kind of taking the next step forward in their in their career trajectories. Um just a couple of notes. Obviously, Sam Kerr is coming back from Australia. Eriksen and Moussevic also have been in Australia, but they came back a bit earlier. Um, so I guess that'll be interesting to see. That always just is one of the most annoying things that our best player has to go to Australia all the time. <laughs> but it is what it is. She is Australian. Um, okay, look at the Spurs team. Uh, this was the... So they haven't played since the end of October, that Brighton game, because their their game against Everton before the international break was called off due to a pitch. So... They'll be rustier than us, I hope. Um, they started against Brighton with Corpella and Goal, back four of Asmita Ale, Shalin Zdorsky, Molly Bartrup, Amy Turner, Ash Neville on the left, Celine Beze on the right, and midfield of Ankara James and Evelina Sumaninen, who I absolutely love, I've got to say. And then front two of Drew Spence and Nicola Karzuska. Do you think, Harry, we're going to be seeing the same team?
1: Um, same team, yes, but I think that they might just. Like I, think, like I said, like she's Skinner's probably a bit more fluid with her 11 that she uses players, I think the same players that she would in a 4-4-2, four, four, which she um, did in four three four three, 4 3 which is how she started the season. I think um, that would be how they're going to sit up against us, though. Like, so the same players, but in a 3-4-3, three, three, you know, make it very difficult for us. Um, maybe even bring it back to a back five for most of like, like I said, they, they caught Brighton out over the top. And I think that's probably their their best chances for us um, trying to isolate um, Brighton Buchanan, who, you know, we're still trying to see, you know, still went for the best of their partnership. Um, if you can have Ashley Neville as an out ball over the top um, and, and Drew Spence, who, you know, we all love, but we hope has a really bad game on Sunday <laughs> um, because we know what she she's capable of. Um, yeah, if you pack that midfield, then I think you, can't, you can perhaps limit the impact only slightly of Lauren James if you give her, you know, too many people to run through. We know she can run through lots of people, but if you just give her too many um perhaps force her out wide because i think that's where she still needs a bit of work like being i don't think she's a natural winger like oh, oh she's not an orthodox winger so if you force her out wide i think you can limit slightly what she does um that's just a really long-winded way of saying 343 three, but the same more or less the same team for tottenham and then you can still use Ashley Neville defensively if if she needs to
0: yeah I think something to keep an eye on will definitely be that Spurs are not afraid of doing a man marking job like when they play to Arsenal they just put Sumlin on, on Miedema and um that would have probably worked really well if Becky Spencer hadn't just passed to air um but yeah I think it'll be interesting to see I would definitely expect whoever we do play in that 10 role whether it's James whether Kirby's coming back whether it's Jesse Fleming. Um, that you know Spurs won't be afraid of just sticking one of their midfielders to to whoever we put there. Um, yeah, I think that has kind of maybe cost them before because I think it can leave like lots of space elsewhere, but that'll definitely be worth keeping an eye on um Harry, I'm gonna come to you first. what is your score prediction for Sunday?
1: I'd maybe I'm being pessimistic, but I can't see us keeping a clean sheet.
0: We've not got many this season, so that seems a fair bet.
1: Um but I'm gonna be slightly an optimistic 3-1. But I think it's gonna be a second half match. Um I think that's when the game's really gonna open up and will hopefully the quality will will show out. And Samka, you know, five goals in four games against Tottenham. Well she'll make that six in five. And yeah. she's closing in on any um goal tally. I think she's on any was sixty nine, I think Kerr's on sixty-eight. So then it'll just be That's Beth. En- just be Beth England and Kirby above her. Um but even then she's close on Beth England. So I That's think yeah, I th- I think free one and Kerr to at least go level with Eluko.
0: Well, we are a 3-1 team this season. That would be like, what, our 17 3 one of the year. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-0. I'm feeling... I'm, this is clean sheet. This is Confident. our clean sheet block, you know. New block of games, new Chelsea. Clean sheets galore. I feel it. I can feel it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go 2-0. I feel like, definitely, I'm hoping that the space that Tottenham might afford us will come good. Yeah. Um, Right, quite a few other games, obviously, this weekend. Good games as well, I will say. On Saturday, we've got Everton City and Arsenal United. Come on, United, is what I say for that. And on Sunday, Villa Reading, Brighton Liverpool, West Ham Leicester, and obviously us, Chelsea against Spurs. Um, I will be the butcher's hook before the game, probably from just after 11 or so, if anyone wants to come have a chat. Harry, are you are you off to the bridge, I assume, on Sunday?
1: unfortunately not <sighs> this week. but I will be I've already booked, got my tickets for the PSG game at Stamford Bridge, so I'll be making my return then. But unfortunately no, my, my Sunday's are pretty busy. Oh. Um I will be follow it like glued to my T V though.
0: That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, I also have got my tickets to PSG, so looking forward to that one as well. Um, But we'll be back after the game. Tracy Brown from Chelsea Pride will be joining us to review the match. Uh, So we will speak to you on Monday, hopefully after a magnificent Chelsea win. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.